Welcome to the Salesforce Drop, presented by Anubis Solutions. Each episode, we will bring you some of the best stories from the world of enterprise technology. We invite industry influencers to provide unique commentary and useful information on the stories shaping our ecosystem. I am your host, Alex Garcia, CEO and co-founder of Anubis Solutions. Don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcast. On this episode of the Salesforce Drop. This week, I'm joined by Matthew Carpenter Arevalo, CEO and founder of Centico Digital. He's joining me on the show today to talk about enterprise tech and talent from Ecuador. Welcome, then, Matthew. I think we can, uh, you know, just dive right in. Thank you so much for agreeing to come uh, jump on the podcast with me to talk a little bit about how things are going in Ecuador and Centrico Digital. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excellent. The goal of what we wanted to accomplish today with this podcast was really uh, one, get to know you. I think it's it's really important uh, for us to uh, highlight entrepreneurs in the ecosystem who are offering uh, novel services and providing a, you know a really fantastic experience to their customers. You know, we've had the opportunity of working together in the past, and you know, we've always been really happy with the services that Centrico provided and you know, the expertise and the talent that your team has. And so I wanted to you know, talk a little bit about how enterprise tech is developing in Ecuador and, you know, what some of the changes that uh, have recently occurred, I think, from the pandemic and, and as a result of that. Yeah, uh, I'd love to d- jump into that topic. So I, I think I have to go back a little bit in time, which is that uh, I'm originally from Canada. Uh, I had a career in Silicon Valley. My wife is from Ecuador. Um, we had lived here before. And after a number of years of, of life in Silicon Valley, uh, we sort of looked down the barrel of what the rest of our lives would look like there uh, and then decided that we had had a better quality of life when we lived in Ecuador. So we wanted to come back and and and, and move back to Quito. And in doing so, we knew that we would have to be entrepreneurs to create the kind of environments that we had gotten used to working in. And so I started Centrico Digital uh, for uh, in 2014. For two years, we started uh, working uh, with Ecuadorian clients, Latin American clients. And then in 2016, we turned our fo- focus to the United States. And then... Uh, after the pandemic, uh, we found that we didn't have to explain ourselves so much to clients. Before the pandemic, a lot of people would ask us, okay, uh, where is Ecuador? Uh, are you on the same time zone as us? Why are you there? Um, and it, even our marketing strategy was built around getting people to try our service for a very low cost, seeing the quality and, and the kind of professional approach we had to um uh, manage marketing services and then uh, sign them up for either bigger projects or retainer relationships. And my story is somewhat typical in the sense that uh, a lot of businesses in Ecuador, especially professional services businesses focused on the tech ecosystem, have over the last couple of years turned their focus um, towards the United States and when we did it, we didn't necessarily want to focus on competing on price. We wanted to focus on quality. Our goal was not that we would be able to undercut everybody in the market, but that we would actually be able to pay really high salaries in Ecuador um, and get the best people. So so, so we did that. Uh, and then through demand generation platforms like uh, Upwork, we were able to start finding great relationships with, with different clients. Um, 
and and maintaining our focus and our and our kind of obsessive approach about quality in in service delivery. Uh, and so we did that. The, the pandemic represented a small bump for us. We quickly recovered, uh, and it's been pretty smooth sailing since then. So uh, on on a professional level, at least, the the pandemic has definitely allowed us to position ourselves. Um, in the U.S. market as a, a high quality and fairly priced uh, provider uh, in the Salesforce ecosystem. I couldn't agree more. Having a very complimentary service offering to Decentricals in our company, uh, you know, we definitely saw the barriers reduce and the openness of working with providers in Latin America um, was really at a new level um, since the pandemic. And in large part, it was the realization, I think, that we can do all the work that was normally done in an office building as efficiently remotely as we could uh, with, uh, you know, having everybody show up. So, you know, in terms of for, for your company and for the companies you're, you're seeing there in Ecuador, have you, have you seen the adaptation to remote work go smoothly? Yeah, so we had the benefit that um, in 2019, there were some major protests here in Ecuador that sort of shut down the country for uh, about a week. And it was really at that point that we learned how to work remotely. Uh, and then so when the pandemic hit, we were in a situation that was somewhat familiar to us. Uh, and we quickly adapted. And one of the things that's been kind of interesting is, is that we used to spend a certain percentage of our annual budget on traveling to see our clients. Uh, we stopped doing that. And instead, we've paid for our employees to come uh, visit us here in Ecuador. So um, we found that after a while, um, it was taking us longer and longer to find the types of individuals we wanted uh, here in Ecuador. So we started hiring in Mexico and started hiring in Brazil. Uh, and so now our goal is to two or three times a year, bring everybody together. Um, and instead of spending that money to go visit our clients, which our clients aren't really asking or, or expecting of us, we can instead uh, have some intense time together. In November, we went to the beach and we all stayed and we, we stayed, we rented three beach apartments and, and stayed together and, and did some work and had some fun. Um, and so I think as the, the world is learning how to operate remotely and more than just practices, we're learning that we need to talk more about mental health. We need to talk more about well-being. We need to put these things at the center of our operation more than just developing, uh, I don't know, Slack habits or, or, or you know, asynchronous communication. We, we have to look at people in a different way because we're not sitting together, because we're not having spontaneous communication, because sometimes our interactions can be transactional. We have to find other ways for people to bring their whole selves to the office. That's incredibly wise. And, and something that we definitely think about also, right, is uh, you know, because we're operating in a, in a world apart, some of those interactions do become transactional, as you mentioned, and that's a great way to put it. And, uh, you know, finding opportunities for your team to connect wherein you don't have that office or central location anymore uh, becomes a challenge and, and that you know a lot of the times innovation requires spontaneity um, and the ability to collaborate in a, in a spontaneous manner and so you know if you kind of remove the presidential or, or in presence office culture you need to create situations for your employees to have that same level of engagement Maybe not necessarily for a specific output, but really just to build those bonds and relationships 
that um, help them deliver for for your customers. That's absolutely right because we're we're moving towards sort of zero asset business models. So. What that means is that the sum of our value as companies is really based in the talent that we're able to attract and retain. And uh, we're, we're operating in a space that is sort of uh, the intersection between creative work and analytical work. Um, and therefore, we have to create offices and office cultures that are adapted for um, the for 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 the environment in which we find ourselves. And for us, there have been two areas that I think are really important. Um, the first is uh, learning, and so we generally don't work on Fridays. Friday is a day that we spend focusing on on learning. Um, and this is something that has really resonated with Gen Z, with, with recent uh, college graduates who are oftentimes anxious ridden and trying to figure out what's going to happen with their careers and what, what's going to happen with their lives. Uh, so we try to give them a really strong learning path. And it's also something that's very familiar to them coming right out of college. And the way that this benefits us is that um, at least in markets like Ecuador, you're not going to find a lot of certified uh, Pardot consultants. You're not going to find a lot of certified marketing cons- market, uh, marketing cloud consultants. And if you do, they're probably working at the large banks and uh, uh, probably have a series of benefits that are difficult to compete with. So if we can't compete necessarily on salary, we can compete on culture and on quality of life. And so we take uh, our Fridays to focus on learning because the other thing is that a lot of companies talk about learning and training, but then they give their employees zero time to do that. And client work will necessarily push training and learning out of the way if you don't actually set aside time to do it. Um, and the other thing we think a lot about is, is safety and security. Um, and when we say security, a lot of the security we're trying to create is around the security to make mistakes. Um, we, we talk about failure as being uh, failures of negligence, which can happen to anyone. It's really only problematic if, if it's recurring. Then we have failures of process, which we always want to uncover because uh, in our experience, processes fail people more than people fail processes. And then there are errors of ambition, which happen when we're doing something for the first time and um, we know that we're going to mess it up. And usually we're trying stuff on our own brand before we're trying it with a client brand. But uh, creating a culture that's based around learning and, and safety is really a way that we can attract and retain the, the brightest minds, not only in Ecuador, but in Latin America, um, and bring them along in this journey uh, through uh, the Salesforce and, and digital marketing ecosystem in general. That's great. And yeah, learning is, is pivotal, especially for the knowledge economy and, and a industry that is constantly changing, adapting and growing. You definitely want to make sure you have a path for employees to learn and to develop their own professional careers as well. As you're developing that, though, for a increasingly remote team, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've seen in providing those tools to your employees all over the world? So the I think what we're um, struggling with a bit is developing the training and learning tools so that we can onboard people quickly. Um, I, I'm not sure what your experience has been. I've, I'm a little disappointed by what's available 
in terms of resources for people who have never say open Salesforce marketing cloud, and then they want to get into it. Um, the way that we've done it is that we initially started working in the HubSpot ecosystem for marketing automation. Uh, and HubSpot is a very accessible tool. It's got a lot of training resources that are available through HubSpot and then some third-party providers out there. And what we found was that for the last couple of years, at least, we've been more supply constrained than demand constrained. So as a result, when we hire new people, uh, they're often requiring a lot of time from our more senior people and from our managers to train to train up and, and to get them operating at a really high level on these platforms. Um, and that obviously uh, takes away from the scalability of our, of our business and from our operation. So um, I think that if you're a Latin American that speaks decent English and is intellectually curious, there's never been a better time to be in the job market because so many companies are becoming globalized in so many companies are looking at Latin America as a place where they can bring in people from outside of the United States that are on the same time zone that may represent a, a discount in terms of salaries but that can also continue to operate at a really high level. It's just a great time to be in that situation. There's a lot of job opportunities available. The initiative that people have to have is uh, to be self-educated. And so if anybody knocks on my door tomorrow and says, I speak English and I'm certified in Salesforce Marketing Cloud or Pardot, uh, they're going to get a job interview with us uh, because they're very rare. Um, in our case, we're more focused on finding people who are really talented and then bringing them on and training them. But obviously, there's a learning curve that has to be conquered in that period that slows down our ability to grow. So I would say that for us moving forward, a big challenge we have is, is just the learning, training, uh, and getting people operating at a really high level as soon as quick as possible. I couldn't agree more. And, and we've seen the same, right? There definitely is a lack of content in terms of uh, getting people from zero to hero, right? And, and uh, beyond. I think that there's some great information out there for power users and for uh, individuals who've logged into Salesforce or any of their offerings to learn at an accelerated pace. But you know, when you are starting out and you don't have access to the system, then it, it does become quite a challenge to to um, make that leap. There are some that are ambitious, but those are the rare cases. And you're absolutely right. If anybody comes to us and says, hey, I've even logged into Salesforce, I know what it looks like and kind of poke around in there. You know, I'm, I'm interested in finding out more about what you guys do. We'd probably give them an interview also. And that's because you're right. The talent realities that we're facing in this ecosystem are real in terms of the scarcity problem. Um, and, you know, developing programs for training is almost a requirement, right, for us to be operating in this market and operating as a knowledge economy service provider. And so it's great to hear that you're taking learning as a pillar to your company culture. I think, you know, that's something that, that we do as well, and we're trying to do uh, the same. And so, you know, besides that, right, what, what excites you about the future? What are you looking forward to in uh, 2022 and where do you see Centrico going? Well, what really excites me is that we're, I've always been a firm believer that uh, talent is equally distributed in the world, but opportunity is not. So I started my first entrepreneurial venture in 2006, uh, trying to develop websites for companies in the United States from Ecuador. Um, I did that for, for two years with um, uh, very, degrees of success. Then I, I went to Google and I was there for three years. 
Uh, and then I came back in, in 2013, 2014 and decided to try again, this time with a focus on uh, marketing services. And what really excites me on a personal level is that um, countries like Ecuador have so many talented people, uh, but oftentimes they're not able to uh, redeem the value of the work that they produce because local market conditions means that um, they're, they're, there's always downward pressure on pricing or uh, the, the Ecuadorian economy isn't as dynamic or as competitive as other economies. So um, sometimes if a company is adapting Salesforce, it's because um, they understand that it's an important thing to do, but maybe not necessarily from a competitive perspective. And therefore, they're willing to go with cheaper providers uh, because they're just trying to get a job done. And they don't really yet understand the difference in value from one service provider to another. We, we have a saying here that is like, you know, everybody has a cousin that does the same thing, but cheaper. Uh, and so what really excites me right now is seeing how many people are moving into the nearshore industry. I, I don't tend to use that word uh, too much, but um, th it is a reality that we are nearshore providers and therefore people who um, might not have been able to earn as much uh, as, as they can now are, are finally starting to achieve their, their potential because all of a sudden their skill sets are introduced to a larger market that can appreciate them uh, better and we have better uh, price collaboration. Uh, and, and, and so that, that is what's really exciting to me. Um, and like I said, there was this point at the pandemic where I just had to stop explaining to people why we were in Ecuador. And so that to me means that the rest of the um, United States market is really coming to realize that um, just that we, in the same way that we have integrated uh, manufacturing in that a vehicle that is for sold in the United States, um, its parts might have crossed the US and Mexican and Canadian border, you know, dozens of times before it becomes a car. And just like your iPhone has component parts in it that come from dozens of different countries, um, services are, are going in the same direction and services are becoming truly globalized. And though there may initially be a race to the bottom in terms of pricing, eventually Apple doesn't necessarily buy the cheapest glass for its iPhone, it buys the best glass and it's willing to look all over the world to find whoever is producing the best glass for an iPhone out there. And that's what I believe is gonna to happen to professional services eventually. Uh, so it's it's an exciting time. It's also exciting because there are a lot more tools now that make it easier to administer global teams. There are tools like Let's Steal, for example, that just raised a massive round of cash, and they make it very easy for U.S. companies to hire people in other jurisdictions uh, and to make sure that it's legally sound. And those tools themselves are evolving. So a lot of times when people work for U.S. companies, they're foregoing uh, the benefits that uh, they would otherwise have under local legislation if they were working for a local company. And slowly, these uh, third-party providers that are facilitating payments and contracts um, are, are creating solutions so that people can have uh, basically equal benefits. Um, so I'm really excited about the space because um, I'm really excited for opportunity to be spread um, and, and distributed uh, more evenly. Uh, amongst talented people around the world. And uh, it's it's exciting to be able to, in our case, um, open our doors to people who might be anywhere in Latin America, but that share our value system and, and understand 
what we're trying to do when we create an employee-centric culture. Um, and we're no longer limited even by our local economy and finding those individuals. So all of that is really exciting to me. Exactly, right? You know, if any, anything has shown us from uh, the great resignation is that uh, talent has now have to be front and center in terms of your strategy. And globalized talent is one of those really exciting solutions uh, that's out there. You're absolutely right. You're being able to bring on and you know augment your staff uh, with these other providers, third-party providers that make it legally sound for you to do so, um, especially those who um, are also operating in the United States and you know, can bill you directly from there. That's, I think, you know, a critical point of value um, in this entire supply chain of talent. So, you know, I think that that's great. I really appreciate your time today. I think it's all the time we have. Um, but thank you so much, Matthew Carpenter Arevalo. Thank you so much for, for being here. Um, if there is anything else you'd like to say, and maybe, um, you know, tell us a little bit about how someone can contact you. Yeah, so I am on LinkedIn, Matthew Carpenter Arevalo. I'm the only one out there. And then I'm on Twitter as uh, uh, Equamat. Um, I tweet mostly in, in Spanish. So if you're not a Spanish speaker, it might not be as interesting to tweet, uh, to, to, to read my tweets. Um, but I'm always happy to connect on LinkedIn, especially because one of the things that has been most wonderful about um, moving into the Salesforce ecosystem is just how collaborative it is. it has been. And we have definitely grown a lot in the last two years, thanks to um, different Salesforce partners um, who have different specializations, bringing us in to help serve their clients or to help them have more elasticity in their supply. And so um, I'm always happy to, to connect with anybody who is looking for different ways in which they can make their organizations more dynamic and uh, increase their offering to their uh, existing client base. All right, there you have it. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. And we have an update. Matthew's company, Centrico Digital, has since then been acquired by Uhuru Network. So we wish you the best of luck uh, with you and your team on all of your future endeavors. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. And this has been the Salesforce Dropout.